The Adam Crowley Show. Hey, I'd like to place an order for pickup, please. What's that, sir? Can I place an order for pickup, please? Everything's done at the window, sir. At the window? Yes, sir. It's fast food service. That's funny. I thought the flyer's window closed. <laughs> Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. That sure was a hell of a marshmallow game last night, wasn't it? You found the Crowley Show, where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. Tell you kids, tell your wife, we doing radio up in here. Brian LaMartina sitting across from me. You can follow him on Twitter at FBomber73. We got shirtless Tom behind the glass. You can check him out on Twitter at ButtonPusher970. How about Juju Smith-Schuster? 71-yard touchdown catch hauled in from Landry Jones. Lit. Too lit to quit, baby. I can't stand how some media in this town have turned that young man into a villain when year two of his career hasn't even started yet. He hasn't played a regular season snap. He had over 900 yards last year. Catches a touchdown in the only game he's played so far this year in the preseason And yet, he's got an attitude problem. He's lit. He doesn't care. He's going to be a distraction. Some people are going to die on that hill and not budge from it no matter what. Some people aren't going to allow fact to change their mind. I'm a pretty brazen guy. I think I'm right a lot of the time. But whenever a new fact arises... Whenever new information presents itself, I will use said new information to change my mind. Opinions, I think, should be based in fact. I don't think opinions should come out of thin air. I don't think that Juju Smith-Schuster taking pictures of himself on the sideline should make him have to be villain numero uno in this city. I think it's disingenuous. I think it's used only to fit certain narratives. And to me, it's BS. Maybe Juju runs some wrong routes in practice. So does every other wide receiver in the National Football League. I've seen A.B. run wrong routes in training camp this year. It happens. I have no worry about that guy at all. 900-plus yards his rookie year. Has shown flashes in training camp, including three straight touchdowns and a seven-shots drill. And now this. 71 yards to the house, biatch! Good for Juju. Shove it up there. The first string defense left much to be desired. Burnett and Bostic both missed a tackle on the same 22-yard Jay Ajayi run, and that's not good because the Steelers are focusing in training camp primarily on trying to tackle a little bit better. Steelers were 31st or 32nd in the league last year in missed tackles, depending on what metrics you want to look at, and last night did not give me all that much hope in the early going that they would be better in that regard. I thought Tewitt and Hargrave were blown off the ball. Tewitt's getting back into shape. 
He was hurt most of last year after the first couple of plays, in fact, of last year. He's going to take some time to shake that rust off. As for Hargrave, oh boy. He was put on skates all night long. Was getting rubbed out, and not in a good way, all night long. He had such a poor performance that Mike Tomlin said, Hey, Javon, hey, Jay Wobble, why don't you play into the second half? Why don't you play deep into the third quarter? You got to get some better reps. Made sense to me because he did not look good at the start of the game. Bostic did look better, I thought, as the game wore on. In that same drive, he stuffed a couple of plays around the line of scrimmage. I like that. What I like more than that, though, was Terrell Edmonds playing linebacker on a play and coming up and snuffing a run. He was very good in the limited time that he played and when I did notice him. And yes, I am the kind of nerd who went back and watched that football game again today. Tom calls BS. No, it happened. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. All right, I watched the first half again. Terrell Edmonds should start alongside John Bostic as the quote-unquote next linebacker. Bostic's fine. Matikiewicz is a sieve. Matt Williamson and I talked about this on the postgame show last night. If he's one of your starting inside linebackers, you are going to get torched. Every time he's on the field, whether it's a passing situation or a running situation, he's going to be targeted. There's no doubt in my mind that if the Steelers are going to play two linebackers a lot, that he's not going to be one of the two starters. And for the people who thought, oh my God, he's going to start. Nah, they just wanted Bostic to earn it. And I think he has, not because he's been great, but because Tyler Matikiewicz is just blah. It's still the show-me defense as far as I'm concerned. Saw a couple of interceptions. Cody Sensabaugh saw one from Cam Sutton. Cam Sutton's got to find a way to play. He's one of their best 11 on defense. He needs to play. He can cover a lot of ground. He's a smart football player. He's rangy. I like him. Got to find a way to get him out there. They've got talent. They've got pedigree. Show me now. Show me you can put it together. And I didn't see them do that in the first half when the first string was in. We got Tim Benz joining us in 13 minutes here on the Crowley Show. Matt Williamson at 520 today. James Conner, I think he can be part of the future. Four carries, 25 yards, created something out of nothing a couple of times. The Steelers' running back depth is solid. Teams will be begging the Steelers to cut a guy like Stephen Ridley. If I were coming up with a depth chart, and I'm not, but I will for the purposes of a radio show, I would tell you that I would keep James Conner as your second back behind Le'Veon Bell, and I would keep Stephen Ridley as the third. Now, you've got to have a guy who plays special teams. I don't know if Stephen Ridley is going to play or go or will play well at special teams, but I like the way he totes that rock. I like his game. I like the cut of his jib. I think Fitch Toussaint's a good player, too. Jalen Samuels was victim of a terrible offensive line late in the game, and beyond that, they were running out the strength. And instead of kneeling it down late, there were 15 guys up around the line of scrimmage, and he just pounded his head into the butt of his offensive lineman. So it was really difficult for me to evaluate him in last night's game. But James Conner looks good. 
And he's looked good in training camp. He can catch the football. He can make guys miss. He can get skinny in the hole. Something that I've been told far too often than I am. And he's got that burst that we did see at times last year, but it's even more of one now because he's lost the weight, gotten a little bit more cut. He's done what Le'Veon Bell did. Le'Veon Bell was big when he became a Pittsburgh Steeler. They told him to lose weight. Then he came back a little bit smaller, and they told him to lose weight. One of the things running backs tend to do when they come to the league is, well, we got to add weight, we got to add weight, we got to be strong. It's the league. No, most times I think that goes against what you want to see. Most times I think that goes against what benefits you as a football player. But he looks good, and if he can stay healthy this year, maybe he is part of the solution last year. And I went into training camp saying I did not want to be convinced of that. I wasn't going to buy it, and I was wrong. He looks the part. Still need to be convinced about that Steelers defense, though. The NFL can survive the helmet penalty, by the way. The way it survived everything else. This lowering of the head, I thought yesterday was going to be a disaster. I thought we'd see like the Hall of Fame game, there'd be six penalties in. It happened exactly one time, and I think that it would have been called even last year. Helmet on helmet. That's a penalty. Now, was the receiver defenseless? I guess we can get into that, but I think I would have thrown the flag last year. They should have thrown the flag this year. It did not ruin the flow of the game. It made sense to me, and I didn't feel like we were watching for flags after every play in this contest the way that I initially thought we would. But the NFL can survive this. The NFL survived the Mel Blunt rules. They're going to kill football. Oh, it's flag football now. Well, nope, they survived. How about the Heinz Ward rule? We're not playing football anymore. No more crackbacks. Can't hit a guy blind. Still playing. Still watch. How about the catch rule, which sucked? You play in your backyard, Jesse James is scoring that touchdown. You played in the NFL, he ain't. And yet, guess what? We still watch the playoffs. We still rooted. The 12 top trending things on Twitter last night at 8 o'clock were all related to the NFL. We still care. There are headshot suspensions, which we've all come back from. Defenseless receiver rules that we've all come back from. The NFL is still alive and well, despite what a lot of people are saying. The ratings went down. Yeah, ratings go down for everything because there's a million damn things to watch. Oh, yeah, and there's this really cool thing called Red Zone, which kind of cannibalizes the NFL. I'm not going to watch on CBS. I'll watch on Red Zone. The NFL will survive this the way it survived all that. I don't know how this guy survived. Howard Eskin from WIP in Philadelphia. He tweeted this out earlier this morning. During the Eagles and Steelers preseason game, there was at least one Pittsburgh football found that was very deflated. The NFL has the football and is investigating. I saw the football after incompletion, and it was like a marshmallow. Now, is it like a cold marshmallow or like a microwave marshmallow? Because if it's like a microwave marshmallow, it's actually bigger than a regulation football, I think. Now, if it's a cold marshmallow, then it's deflated like Tom Brady. I would like somebody to investigate Howard Eskin. Did anybody talk to Howard? Did Howard puncture this football himself? Here are some things that make more sense than the Steelers cheating in the preseason. Space Force, 
John Dorsey wearing a sweatshirt over a collared shirt and socks and sandals. This is what the NFL had to say to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette today. Quote, a spokesperson said, All footballs were in compliance with NFL rules following the pregame inspection process, and all proper procedures were followed. In the third quarter, a football that was found to be defective was removed from play and will be sent back to Wilson for review. Wilson is not the ball in Castaway. Wilson is the manufacturer of, I guess, that same ball in Castaway. What I don't like about this, though, is that Patriots fans, just by getting that whiff, even though it's all been proven BS, are going to throw that back in Steelers fans' face. Don't you worry. It's going to happen. Patriots fans are going to say, look, you guys did it too. It's no big deal. You guys did it. We did it. It's fine. Everyone can do it. It's okay. Well, it didn't happen here. It did happen there. And there are Boston peeps and Boston media members saying, it's nice to see Steelers media members and fans sweeping all this under the rug when they wouldn't for Tom Brady. Couple things here. This wasn't the AFC flipping championship game. You really think Roger Goodell's going to walk on down to the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex, put Josh Dobbs in cuffs, and investigate whether or not that mofo was sucking air out of a football? Yeah, I don't think so. Now, I know that Mason Rudolph's hands measured a little bit smaller than we all would have liked at the NFL Combine, but I'm guessing he didn't suck the air out either. And God knows Landry Jones ain't even thinking when he's out there, so it wasn't him. No big deal. This Howard Eskin guy wanted to be the dude who broke Deflate Gate too. That's all this was. That's him taking a shot in the dark. I saw a deflated football. The league's got it. I broke it. I'm Howard Eskin. I hope you break your nose. How about that, Howard? I want him on the show. I want to fight him. And fight him verbally. And then if he wants to, we can meet at State College and I'll kick his ass at Beaver Stadium. Too far? Maybe. Just a tad? He's scared. The Patriots thing is bothersome, though. Oh, my God. They latched onto that so damn quick. It's like Ohio State fans, or pardon me, Penn State fans, when they heard what was going on at Ohio State. Look, your guy did it, too. Chain of command. Their heads exploded. And it's the same thing here. You did it. Just Dobbs. Just Dobbs. He's sucking the air out. Shut the hell up. Coming up next, this guy worked in Boston for a while. He's back here now. Tim Benz from Breakfast with Benz in the Trib. He'll join us to talk about all last night's affairs, including Deflate Gate 2.0. It's the Crowley Show. Do you go double kibasi? It's been known to happen. Holy crap! I mean, I could see you taking two kibasis at once in college, but probably not on the sandwich. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. The Steelers are dirty, dirty cheaters. And their entire 2018-2019 season should be null and void. Whatever wins they get, vacate them. Deflategate 2.0. Tim Benz from Breakfast with Benz and the Steelers Radio Network joins us now. The official vampire of the Crowley Show. Tim, 
What do you make of Deflategate 2.0? Well, I make of Deflategate 2.0 that it's further proves that the Patriots do everything better than the Steelers. They got busted <laughs> in the AFC Championship game. The Steelers get busted in a preseason game. The Patriots were smart enough to do it with their Hall of Fame starting quarterback. The Steelers did it for a fourth-string quarterback who was making his preseason debut. The Patriots did it to the point that it was a matter of decimal points away from being legal. The Steelers did it so bad it was obvious with the naked eye. They just... The Patriots are so far ahead of us in every regard here in Pittsburgh. The Steelers have so far to go to catch up. It's just it's it's amazing they've even been quasi competitive with them over the years. Tim, have you gotten a lot of Patriots fans saying, "See, see, you guys do it too." Not one, and I've been waiting for that. Uh, maybe it's because right off the bat when I saw the story, I said, "Well, Mason does have small hands," <laughs> so I just led some credibility to it. That is true, though. Mason's got that big body, but he's little tiny Trumpy hands. And for the record, I I don't know how that's possible. When I first when I interviewed him last week, the first time I did a one on one with him, I, I, I guess I did want to take that back. The draft he came over, but it was like across the table, so I didn't shake his hand. I shook his hand up at training camp, and I did it on purpose. Like I made him shake my hand because I just wanted to get his weird little man hands on mine to see if they were close to the same size. And you know my man crush on Rudolph. I do. Adam, obviously. I, just, I just wanted to touch the fair man. So, you know, I I wanted to make sure that I actually made contact with him. And uh, I, he, does he have small hands? I, those are small hands? See, I like thought this? the same thing. Whenever I shook his hand at the – it was either the draft or I was walking up. Oh, so you got to touch him too? I did touch him too. Beautiful looking man. What a jawline. It takes you to a dreamy dimples. point, doesn't it? It's a strong grip. And, and the thing is, Tim, I didn't think his hands were small either. I've got little tiny hands. But I'm – Wondering if by NFL standards, when he, I remember when he got measured at the combine, I was like, ah, they're not great. Yeah, it's just you know okay. what, what's funny about it, because I so badly want to dismiss this and make it sound like, well, this is why the NFL combine is so stupid, where it gets down to you know, the eighth of an inch of somebody's hand or something ridiculous like that. It goes into the third round, but what have we known about him so far? First pass attempt, the training camp ball slips out of his hands, uh, has trouble holding on to the ball in the uh, Training camp a couple times where he's rolling out, can't get a grip on it because he's on the run all the time. Uh, he lost the ball yesterday, got it sorted out of his hands. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there's a little something to it, but it certainly isn't to the point that he deflated the football so badly that it was noticeable to Howard Eskin on the sideline. I mean, and let me ask you this: uh, when it comes to Deflate Gate, did Garoppolo get to deflate the football to his specifications in New England? I don't remember that being part of the talking points. Do you? Yeah, I don't think that that's part of it. I don't think that like, they're testing out the deflated ball for dressed, Ben. If you have four quarterbacks dressed, you have three different sets of footballs, all at different PSI. Is that how it works? See, that's just another example, like you said, of Bill Belichick being better than Mike Tomlin. Yeah. It's just true, I guess. Too many yeah. deflated balls. Tim Ben's joining us here on the Crowley Show. Although I have heard Tim an eighth of an inch makes a huge difference. Anyway, well, that's a different measurement entirely. One more thing about the deflated football, though, if you don't mind. Yeah. Did, did you like my theory that I put out there as to what happened? Did you see it on Twitter by any chance? I did not. Okay, so here's my theory as to what happened. The ball was deflated. They wanted to make it so obvious that the sideline reporters for the opposing team could notice it. They wanted to do that, so what they could do is then get Mason suspended for four games, put him on the suspended list, open up a roster spot. Once the roster spot gets open four weeks in, maybe someone's got a quarterback hurt by that point. Someone's desperate. You trade Landry Jones. Then when Rudolph comes back after four weeks, you can put Josh Dobbs. 
as the inactive guy. Rudolph goes to be the uh, backup quarterback. You've managed to keep Dobbs, and now you've gotten something big for Landry. I like the idea of Ben Roethlisberger not wanting the next one to arrive too quickly. I like Ben deflating the football so that he gets suspended. Oh, no, I like that. That's good. So he wants to smudge the reputation of the new Golden Boy. Kind of like Bill Stewart with Dana Holgerson at West Virginia. I actually do like that idea. There might be something to that, that Ben deflated the footballs to make Rudolph look bad. There might be a Breakfast with Ben's column about that. Ben does have a Tom Brady jersey. Ben is also a passive-aggressive prick. (laughs) All right. You said it more. You said it directly. I just brought up the jersey thing, so good for you. Tim Ben is joining us here on the Crowley Show. I was impressed by Rudolph's ability to move in the pocket last night. It's one of the things I've really liked about him. The ball security thing is no doubt an issue, though, at this point. But I like that aspect of his game, and I think the ball security thing can improve. Yeah, you know, I wasn't expecting him to be great. For as much as I joke about, you know, my man crush on him, and that's not a joke. It's 100. I, I haven't been taken to a place meeting a person like that since I met Brooklyn Decker at the Super Bowl. So, I mean, I'll, I'll just put that out there. But uh, as much as I like the guy, I don't think he's been great in camp so far. I was not expecting anything better than that, unless for some reason. I, I will expect something better from that than that from him if they do put him behind better offensive linemen in the second or third quarter of the next two games. I, I do think he has been hurt thus far. Uh, playing behind really poor backup offensive line. The, the depth of the Steelers' offensive line after, like, B.J. Finney and Chooks is just, they don't have NFL players there. No. no they, do, they don't. And I think, wasn't that on display last night? Oof. Wasn't that obvious last night once they got down to the depths of the O-line? Uh, poor Jalen Samuels took the brunt of uh, it. Oh, my God. That guy didn't have a freaking chance. Yeah, and, and more than really, you know, micro-analyzing some largely garbage reps that Mason Rudolph got because I, I thought I said on the DV pregame show that he was going to get sacked at least twice or have a turnover. That was one of my guarantees and he got sacked twice and put the ball on the ground. So I'm going to give myself a point and a half for that one. Damn uh, right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if uh, Philadelphia falls on that one, I think I get four out of three. That would be a pretty good percentage. But you know, to the point of the offensive line, what the hell is DJ Finney doing out there blocking for Josh Dobbs? You can't afford to be losing either of those guys right now, Filer or Finney, with the way that the offensive line depth looks. I think He's a starter now. You don't have your starting offensive lineman blocking for the quarterback who's going to be cut or stashed on injured reserve in three weeks. Chris Hubbard was the swing tackle last year. But before last year, I never looked at him as tackle capable. I always thought he would be a better inside guy. And I think if push came to shove, they would still have felt comfortable using him there. His loss hurts. Uh, The fact that Gerald Hawkins is always hurt, that stinks, although he was going to be more of a tackle than a guard. Their offensive line depth is scary to me, and more so, obviously, at that tackle position than at the guard position. But here's the thing, though. uh, Give me the football team that has seven good offensive linemen. The Steelers from last year. But I think it's a a good point. Uh, Williamson and I were talking about that on the postgame show yesterday. Uh, Every team in the league right now is going, boy, I hope someone cuts an offensive lineman, and because everyone's thinking it, no one will. Well, this is what's funny, Adam, is like, you know, if you you go over to the other station right now, they're probably not talking football. They're probably complaining. It's it's seventy year old men calling to show complaining that the pirates don't have any pop from the eight hole in their lineup. <laughs> well, who does? You know, like oh, they got this Hutchinson guy. 
All he does is hit 258. Well, show me a lot of teams in the National League that have 300 hitters in the eight hole. It's, you know, show me a seventh really good offensive lineman. I, you know, I, I guess it looks good now that they ended up getting uh, a core four. Who knows? You can see as much time as anybody from this rookie class before things are said and done. But, um, you know, I, you can't risk Finney in a preseason game blocking for your fourth quarterback. I don't know who the next guy is in that guard rotation, but if Dobbs is in there, that guy should have been in there. Tim, big question here. Is Juju lit? <laughs> he was last night. You know who was lit last night was Damone Patterson. Yes. He that guy we talked didn't we we talked about him uh, before the game in the DVE studio. Yes, we did. Yeah, we talked about him on the pregame show. We talked about him on the morning show and um I th- he was lit, especially the backflip. That was lit. That's like an old-school celebration that was impressive. Not as creative as hide-and-seek, but impressive nonetheless. The, uh, could you do a standing backflip, you think, Adam, or no? <laughs> I could do it. No, I could do it, yeah. You come to a, would you just fall over backwards and say that was my attempt? That's no joke. I've tried it, and it's not going to happen. I tried to do a somersault for a cheese tease maybe a month and a half ago, and it was almost certain death. See, that's what I think you should do for the cheese teas tomorrow, especially shirtless Tom. You guys should just do any. Does anybody have a pool between you and Brian and Tom? Does anybody have a pool? Does anybody's parents have a pool? Anything like that? Brian has a pool. This could be like uh, what's his name, Travis Pastrana, isn't that the the motorcyclist name? No, uh, I, I, I I think it's Travis Roast Beef. Okay, so you go, <laughs> you do the practicing of your backflips over either foam or water. So that's what you guys should do. You should all try to do backflips over foam or water to see if you can do a backflip like Damone Patterson. But I heard your rant about Juju Smith-Schuster earlier in the program. I, I don't know, Adam. I, I think it's okay to be critical of his personality. If we're talking about his personality, you don't think his personality is a bit bogus? If the like personality affects the on-the-field play, then I'll be right there with people who are okay. criticizing him. talking more about on-the-field play and how does it match his... Yeah, all right. Well, if no, you- he's been fine. He's... He's a good player. He's, he's a good player. Did not get in the way of his performance last year. He just stunk against Jacksonville. He wasn't any good against Jacksonville you, in the playoffs, you, but you, he was a very he was the best rookie wide receiver in football. You know what, Tim? I don't necessarily know that Madden's going to wind up being wrong here. I think that there's a chance he's right. That being said, let him be right before he starts going nuts. You know what I mean? You, well, were you just talking about Madden, or were you talking about me and Pursuit a little bit, too? Uh, I did not know that you guys were in on it, but I, I think that it is something to keep an eye on. But at the same time, 900 yards, he comes back, 71-yard touchdown catch. Whenever he starts running wrong routes that go the other way for six, then I'll start getting pissed, too. Well, he's just he's, he's a new wave athlete in the sense that he thinks that social media is real media, and social media is good to him because it's his own thing. So he sees interacting... A lot of these young guys don't see people as interacting through the media with cameras and microphones and notepads and pencils. They see interacting with the media as their own social media. And that's why there's a big rub between him and people that cover the team is that, you know, when he feels an obligation, like once a week or post game, he gets all bright and smiley and the lights come on and he flashes a golden smile and, you know, does things for the camera to get on his social media. But, you know, if you try to have an, an actual personal human interaction with him, he just he blows you off and looks down on you. So that's that's who Juju is. I'm just going to say that, that there's no other way to describe it. That has happened to everybody who has covered that team at one point or another. He's talked once this year, and that's because he was forced to go to the podium. I do get that point of it. Tim yeah, Ben's so. joining us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Tim, the 
helmet lowering penalty. Only one. How about that? I thought we were. I thought we were going to be in doing post game right now. I thought the game wouldn't end till like noon today. Yeah, there were twenty penalties last night. Now that was a lot. Yeah, there were twenty penalties, and uh, you know a lot of people were crushing. We're so spoiled as football fans watching television that like people were crushing KDKA last night. How come they're not showing any replays? They don't have the cameras to show them. <laughs> it's a local preseason game. Um, it was hard to see what all the penalties. I, I wanted to see. It's frustrating. I get it. You, why are all these penalties being called? Why are they calling people for penalties? And you're not showing us the penalties. Um, now, I don't know, maybe they did have the shot, the director just didn't take them, or the cameras weren't in the right space, or they weren't uh, looking at the right guys. But I saw the helmet penalty. It was called right. Uh, you and I went back and forth on Twitter a little bit last night. I don't know that that's called last year because I think there's even more of a heightened emphasis. The guy wasn't hurt, and he had caught the ball already. I don't think he was completely defenseless, so I disagree with you there. I don't think it would have been called last year, but then again, I wasn't sure it was an illegal hit last year. I, my my knowledge of what is a hit being legally illegal is just worse this year than it was last year. My opinion on this is going to be this is going to be the catch rule of 2018. It's going to have to bottom out. We're going to have to hit the nader and then just fix it and uh, make it simple again, like we did with the catch rule this off season. That's what's going to have to happen for 2019. It's we'll have a crisis point. We'll have a major game influence like the Jesse James game. People will go crazy. Something bad will happen in the Super Bowl. There'll be a revolt. And they'll make it simple. But then again, no one's ever sued over a drop ball, but people sue over concussions. So maybe I'm wrong. Last thing here for you, Tim. James Washington goes up over Avante Maddox. Hey, deja vu all over again. And, oh, is that beautiful or what? Oh, it's just tremendous. They, they did it to a big guy again. <laughs> it was excellent. It was so fabulous. And what I liked about it was that, but I also liked the fact that he goes up and gets the football. Uh, he's, right. he's done it a bunch in camp. That's fine. Uh, but he misplayed a ball, I thought, in the end zone earlier on in the game where he kind of turned the wrong way. That struck me as weird looking. And then this one, though, he goes up, he takes the football away at 5'11". You love to see the combat catch. He's, what, how many inches shorter than Martavis? Four? Five? Yep. Five inches short? I have no confidence whatsoever that Martavis Bryant would have caught that football. How about you? Probably not. Probably not, right. So he needs to be getting more reps with better quarterbacks. He needs to be practicing with Roethlisberger. Like you heard Roethlisberger on the DV morning show last week, right, where he kind of cavalierly and proudly said that, well, I haven't even thrown to him yet. Who's this guy? You know, like, I know you guys are talking about him, but he's got guys to pass the depth chart. Who? Marcus Tucker. Who? DHB? No. He should be your third receiver. Come on, Patterson. Right now. Or maybe, except for Patterson, who should take AD's job. Or at least Juju's. Did you see Mark Caballi call out that Roundtree dude from the station across the street? Because he said, oh, this Patterson guy reminds me of Antonio Brown. Oh, no. Caballi called somebody else out. Well, Caballi is media police. You know. Flash flood warning. For the following county, Washington, Pennsylvania, and the following counties in West Virginia, Brooke and Hancock. The National Weather Service in Pittsburgh has issued a flash flood warning for northern Jefferson County in East Central Ohio, northwestern Washington County in southwestern Pennsylvania, northeastern Brooke County in northern West Virginia, southern Hancock County in northern West Virginia, until 7.30 p.m. At 4.36 p.m., radar indicated heavy rain in the warned area. Flash flooding, expected. 
Estimated rainfall up to 1.50 inches. Additional rainfall up to 1 inch. Some locations that may experience flooding include Britain, Steubenville, Washington, Cannonsburg, Avella, Toronto, Wintersville, Mingle Junction, Fallensby, Wolfdale, McGovern, Hooverson Heights. This includes the following highways, Interstate 70 in Pennsylvania between mile markers 12 and 18. Interstate 79 in Pennsylvania between mile markers 38 and 46. Please report flooding by calling 412-262-1988, posting to the National Weather Service Pittsburgh Facebook page, or using Twitter at NWS Pittsburgh. Yeah, you know what, Ben's that, that's that is that is enough. That is enough. You did it again. I'm sick of your. St- Hang up on him, Tom. Get him out of here. Yeah, you're gonna argue with me about Juju. Oh, you get out. Jeez, man, settle down. Get out of here. I've never seen you so heated with a guest. Wow. <sighs> Just Ben's man. Coming up next, putting to bed the backup quarterback narrative. Plus, I look at the inside linebacker position battle that's already been won. It's a Crowley show. Adam Crowley. Uh, I want to talk about what the hell you guys are doing on that cheese cheese because I, I really don't want to Google condoms, noses on my uh, work computer. So The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Breaking news from the National Football League. Ben Roethlisberger has been found guilty in Deflategate 2.0 trying to sabotage the heir apparent. More as it comes out right here on your home of breaking news and the Pittsburgh Steelers, ESPN Pittsburgh. 970 AM, 106.3 FM in Allegheny County and on 104.7 HD2. If you do want to catch the show live, you can come to 200 Fleet Street. Yeah, come see us up here. Fourth floor. We're filming in front of a live studio audience. We're going to. There's knock on the glass doors. Jen will let you in. We'll send intern Jerome out. So if you are an active shooter, you'll take care of him. And we'll be good from there. Active shooters are not funny. Why'd you laugh, Jerome? 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I had to give the numbers out. I had to after that one. That was a number situation. I thought I was allowed to give it out once a segment. Oh, you can. It just you did a lot of numbers leading into the numbers. 1047. Yeah. Sorry, though. Sorry. I didn't mean to distract. 412-922-2874. Landry Jones was 4 for 4 with a perfect 158.3 passer rating last night. It's with the numbers. He was 3 for 3 for 12 yards before that chuck to Juju. That's what we should expect from Landry Jones. Landry Jones is a guy. Landry Jones is not great. Landry Jones is not terrible. Landry Jones is a quality backup in the National Football League. The Steelers think he's better than 80% of the backups. Was that burp audible? I didn't think that it was. I didn't think that it was. It smells. Tom, can you pull that, please? Hey, can you get that cut? Go ahead. Continue with your take. 
I think we got to put to bed the narrative that Landry Jones ain't going to be the Steelers' backup quarterback. Colin Dunlap from the station across the street, who I do like, tweeted yesterday that anybody who thinks that Mason can't come in and win the job is ludicrous, but it's not whether or not I think it, it's whether or not the Steelers do it, and I'm around the Steelers enough to know, and I'm tapped in with people who are around the Steelers enough to know, that it was never going to be that way. If Rudolph came in and was... Brett Favre, I don't think it's going to change anything. Juju Smith-Schuster is not who we're talking about, but I read it on the piece of paper. Landry Jones knows the offense. Landry Jones knows how to get in and out of plays. And as you saw yesterday, Mason Rudolph had some trouble with that. There was a time the Steelers had to take a timeout because he couldn't get them set up at the line. And it's something that he wasn't accustomed to having to do all that much at Oklahoma State. At Oklahoma State, you look at a card, then you look at your coach with a mullet, you look back at the card, you look at the defense, look back at the mullet, back at the card, snap the football. And you're not worrying about the play clock because the coach is worried about the play clock, and the coach is going to tell you, get that ball snap, get that ball snap. Plus, they get to the line of scrimmage with 39 seconds left to go on the damn play clock. So for him to not be able to do that at this level right now is not surprising to me. For people to think he could come in and just easily pick that up and flow throughout the Steelers' offense, that is Surprising to me. Now, to evaluate Mason's performance yesterday, I thought he was very good. And you might say, what? Why? The stat line wasn't impressive. He threw a couple floaters up there. His footwork in the pocket is stellar. It is NFL caliber right now. The ball hangs up in the air whenever he throws it. It's not the strongest of arm because of the small hands for a guy his size. But the footwork in the pocket is going to keep plays developing down the field, even when guys are covered. He will buy more time in the pocket. That is an incredibly important trait for a quarterback. And what we saw in last night's game was, as he's moving his feet, as the pocket is moving around him, as he's manipulating it, he's also keeping his eyes down the field. You don't see that a lot from guys who just came out of college. He's got tremendous pocket presence. Now, the problem is he does not have good football protection skills. He needs to work on that a little bit. Ball security, not his thing. Hasn't been his thing in camp. Yeah, he's thrown interceptions. That's going to happen. Any quarterback's going to do that. You don't want to see the strip sacks. And those have been happening in camp even when guys aren't hitting him. They're just smacking the ball out of his hand. So you'd like to see him improve there. But Landry Jones, light years ahead of him, in terms of how to operate this offense, how to understand game situation, how to get the play, being the only guy who gets the play, and convey that to the teammates. So it's Landry's job. Mason Rudolph's going to be the three. I thought Josh Dobbs played well yesterday, but the writing was on the wall for him the second Mason Rudolph was drafted. I guarantee you he's going to stub his toe or something. And he's going to go on IR, and he might very well be the Steelers' third-string quarterback next year when Landry does move. Landry's getting paid about $2 million to be a Steelers' backup. That's a good value for a guy that can come in and win games. Next year, the value will be with Mason Rudolph at the two, and you'll be saving some money because you'll have Dobbs at the three, if it all works out with the stub toe, which I think it will. As I mentioned before, the inside linebacker position battle, that shiz already been won. Tyler Matakavich. Ain't the answer. Matt Williamson will be joining us coming up in 27 minutes at 520 here on the Crowley Show. And he 
as much as Matt will eviscerate somebody, he did to Tyler Matikiewicz last night. Matt is always fair. He's not a hot take guy, but he was very critical of Matikiewicz's play, and for good reason. He's a fine special teams player, but if he's on the field, he's going to get targeted on every play. So for those of you who are interested in watching the inside linebackers last night, you already found out what you knew. Uh, we're not learning anything. Bostic and Vince Williams are the guys. Tyler Matikiewicz should be the three, and I think the Steelers have come to that realization as well. Uh, he's just not an NFL player, not certainly an NFL starter, and I think Matt put it perfectly last night when he said, if Alabama rolled in here, the fighting Nick Sabans, Tyler Matikiewicz is not playing inside linebacker even for that football team, and that's a college football team that's not the damn Pittsburgh Steelers. What you do want to see, though, and we did see it a little bit last night, upon further review, I watched the game again. You don't believe me, do you, Tom? You don't believe me, do you? I watched it, man. I did. I watched it again. You don't believe? Okay, I watched the first half. But what we saw was Terrell Edmonds in the box, three Steelers linebackers in the box, and one of them was Terrell Edmonds. And he came in there, made a play alongside Tyler Matikiewicz. It just looked a lot sexier. It makes you all giddy. Makes you go from six to midnight. That guy should play. And they've got a lot of guys on the back end that should play. And that poses interesting questions as preseason moves on. Coming up next, two concerns I have for the Steelers that were slightly mitigated during last night's game. And anthem protest. I'm sorry! It's the Crowley Show. Landry Jones is a quality backup in the National Football League. The Steelers think he's better than 80% of the backups. Was that burp audible?